You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Pastor 4, in verse number 1, I'd like to be an encouragement, I'd like to challenge us. That's here today for all of our public servants. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for all that you do on a regular basis. But the reality is God has called us all to be servants. You know, you think of Jesus Christ who came to this earth, God's only son, God the one who created the heaven and the earth, who sent his son here. The Bible says when he came to this earth, he came not to be ministered to, but to minister and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know, the world's philosophy is that If we're served, then that's greatness. But the reality is serving is greatness. That's how we can have joy in serving others. Esther chapter 4, verse number 1, the Bible says, When Mordecai perceived all that was done, Mordecai rent his clothes and put on sackcloth with ashes and went out into the midst of the city and cried with a loud and bitter cry and came even before the king's gate for none might enter into the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. And in every province, whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came, there was great mourning among the Jews, and fasting, and weeping, and wailing. And many lay in sackcloth and ashes. The next few verses, Esther sends someone to try and clothe Mordecai and try and find out what's happening. And in verse number 8, the Bible says, and also he gave him a copy of the writing of the decree that was given at Shushan to destroy them, to show it unto Esther, and to declare it unto her, and to charge her that she should go in unto the king to make supplication unto him, and to make request before him for her people. The next few verses, Esther describes that in her position as queen, that unless she's called into the king's chambers, and unless he holds out that scepter, she's subject to death. So she's obviously in fear with a task that's before her, in verse number 12, Mordecai influences and admonishes. He said, and they told Mordecai Esther's words. In verse 13, then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth? Whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. I'd like to preach a message to challenge and encourage us today for such a time as this. Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity to preach your precious word. I pray that you'd help me to be emptied of myself. May I be filled with your spirit. I pray that your people would be encouraged, would be challenged. Lord, would have a renewed desire to live for you in their lives. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. When I think about that term for such a time as this, I think the day and age in which we live in is the greatest time to be alive. As I was thinking past of time zones that you think of, well, it would be great to live in this time. I was thinking about the pilgrims when they first came to the new world and the opportunity that they had and those many months that they spent on that boat just to see dry land. And get out and be thankful for dry land, but be thankful for the opportunity that they had to start something new. And I was, I was like, man, can you imagine being on that boat and that'd be exciting? And then as I really started to think about it, I thought about the things that they had. 
or didn't have. I thought about the many who died from starvation and weren't able to make it. And although it would be exciting to have the opportunity to demonstrate courage and fortitude, I'm thankful that I wasn't alive at that time. I think about the colonial life and how fun or exciting that would be. And I think about the, the, the opportunity to experience the times of the Great Awakening. But then I start to think about, well, wait a second, I love cars. You'd have to walk or ride a horse wherever you're going, and I don't have good experience with horses. No running water, per se, or hot showers, and you're like, well, they had hot showers, you know, buckets and warming them up, and when the bucket's done, it's over, right? But I praise the Lord for tankless water heaters, amen? And it's been a blessing and a curse at the Bybee house, and it's a blessing because you don't run out of hot water. It's a curse because these kids don't know what real life is like, and it's just like hours and hours in the shower with endless hot water. So there may have been a few times that I've just went over and turned it off, and then all of a sudden the shower turns off and they're done, you know? And that's how it was when I was growing up. It was like, when are you done with your shower? When there's no more hot water, amen? And, uh, but nonetheless, I asked one of my children, I said, hey, do you think it'd be exciting to live in the colonial times? And they just looked at me and said, what are you talking about? And I said, well, what do you think of? They said, no comfortable stuff. That was their response. And I said, well, what do you mean? And they started to talk about doctors or air condition and, you know, uh, hot, hot showers and so on and so forth. You know, we recently had a school field trip to the zoo. And it wasn't overly hot. I mean, we're talking about the month of April. We've not experienced hot yet, right? And, uh, but uh, it wasn't overly hot, but it was probably in the 70s or the early 80s. And uh, I asked one of the students, thinking that they'd be excited about being at a school and at this field trip. And I just said, hey, would you rather be at school or would you rather be at the zoo? And she looked at me with a straight faith and said, neither. And I said... Well, where would you rather be? And she said, at home in the air conditioning. And I said, well, you know what? At least she's honest. But you know what? Today is a great day to be alive. Amen. And you know what? The best part of the period that we're in is that we're alive. Yeah. And if we were alive during the pilgrims or we were alive during the colonial times, we would not be alive today. So it's a great day to be alive. Amen. And we can look and look at all the problems and look at all the difficulties and say, man, I wish that it was different. But we have the opportunity to be alive, to make a difference today for such a time as this. Amen. I'd like to give a little bit of background of what's taking place with this morning and this opportunity to go before the king to influence and change his mind. You see, there's a royal decree that's been stamped with the king's ring. In chapter 3 and verse number 13, the Bible says in letters were sent by post into all the king's provinces to destroy, to kill, and to cause to perish all Jews, both young and old, little children and women, in one day, even upon the 13th day of the 12th month, which is the month Adar, and to take the spoils of them for a prey. There's a decree which ordered the execution for all of the Jews, both young and old. Esther, being a Jew, is faced with the daunting task of using her influence, of using her position to try and make a difference. She was afraid she could have been killed. But you know what? Uh, uh, she decides that she's going to go forward and do that. We're going to talk about that. Mordecai's response to her fear is the statement for such a time as this. And let me just say this. You are in a position to influence 
during this great time. Don't take your opportunity for, for granted or lightly. You know, as a matter of background, I'd like to talk about why this happened in context that led to this statement. In chapter 3 and verse number 1, the Bible says, the king promoted a man named Haman. As a result of this promotion, the Bible says in verse number 2 of chapter 3, that all the king's servants that were in the king's gate bowed and reverenced Haman, except for one. The Bible says, but Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence. And they go on here, uh, they go on to ask Mordecai, like, hey, why are you not bowing? And in, in verse number 4, the Bible says, Now it came to pass when they spake daily unto him, and he hearkened not unto them, that they told Haman to see whether Mordecai's matters withstand, for he had told them that he was a Jew. So they're asking him on a daily basis, Hey, why are you not bowing? Like, what's going on here? The Bible says he didn't hearken to them. But he had already told them, Hey, I'm a Jew. So obviously something about being a Jew prevented him or had some, some gird or some, uh, a, de- a decision that he made that he was not going to bow to Haman or reverence him because of the beliefs that he hold. And let me just say this, that if everybody else is doing it, doesn't mean that it's okay. Right. We teach our children that, hey, if everyone went and jumped off a bridge, would you do it too, Right. And then they say, well, it's not a bridge. Well, I understand that. But at the same time, you had a, an instance here where the Bible says that everybody in the king's court was bowing except for one. And I'm so glad that God can do something with just one. And we don't have to look around and be popular or be within the crowd or go with the flow. In order to make a difference, we have to decide that no matter what everybody else does, I'm going to take a stand. Hey, I'm going to do what's right. Hey, I've got some morals and I've got some ethics and I've got some beliefs and I'm going to follow through with that. But you know what? A lot of us just want to go with the flow. What everybody else is doing, I don't want to make waves. Let me just say this emphatically. It was one man who walked on the water when everybody else was still in the boat. It was one shepherd boy who killed a giant when an army was watching close by. It was one man who called down fire from heaven when a host of people tried to call upon a false god. And it was one man, God's only son, who came down from heaven and died on the cross to pay for our sins. There's value in one. Wouldn't it be great today if we decided as believers that there were some things in our lives that we were not going to do? In a world that wants to do whatever they want and go wherever they want and say whatever they want, think God is still going to bless and have your hand upon their lives. Let me just say this, Mordecai took a stand. You know what, for such a time as this, number one, I feel like it's time to take a stand. In our positions, don't feel like you're in this position because of your power, because of your intellect. God is the one who sets up and God can change hearts and God is the one who's ultimately in control. And let me just say this, it's time to take a stand. And Mordecai decided this was something that I was not going to do. He he took a stand for something that he believed in. It's been said before that if you don't stand for something, you will fall from everything. Teenager, let me encourage you today to make some decisions of some things that says, hey, if somebody offers it, I'm not going to do it. Hey, there's some decisions that we need to make in our lives, not just as teenagers, but as adults, to take a stand. What is taking a stand? Hold firm in a position. Hold one's ground against an enemy. A college professor who was an avowed atheist was teaching his class. He shocked several of his students when he flatly stated 
that once and for all he was going to prove that there was no God. Addressing the ceiling, he shouted, God, if you are real, then I want you to knock me off this platform. I'll give you five minutes. The lecture room fell silent. You could hear a pin drop. Several minutes went by. I'm waiting, God. If you're real, knock me off this platform. Again, after four minutes, the professor taunted God, saying, Here I am. I'm still waiting. The countdown got to the last couple of seconds when a student walked up to the professor. The student hit him full force in the face. This sent the professor tumbling from his lofty platform. The professor was out cold. The students were stunned and shocked. They began to babble in confusion. The student then nonchalantly took his seat in the front row and sat in silence. The class looked at him and fell silent also, waiting. Eventually, the professor came to him and was noticeably shaken. He looked at the student in the front row. When the professor regained his senses and could speak again, he asked, What is the matter with you? Why did you do that? The student responded, God was busy, so he sent me. I'm not advocating violence, but I am advocating, you know what, it's time for us to take a stand. It's time for us to stand for what's right. And it seems like the world is redefining everything that God has already defined. And let me just encourage you to take a stand. I think about others who have taken a stand. In 1 Samuel 17, 26, the Bible says, And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, what shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of a living God? One man made a difference because he decided to take a stand for right. Hebrews eleven twenty four. the Bible says, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, I'm thankful for a man named Moses that took a stand and said, hey, rather than enjoying the pleasures and what I could have done, he said, you know what, I'm going to stand with God. And by the way, that's the team that I want to be on, amen, is God's team. In Daniel chapter 3, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were commanded when they heard the music to bow down to the golden image that the king had set up. And they responded, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. But if not, we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. The disciples were commanded in Acts 5 not to speak about Jesus anymore. And in verse 29, they responded, We ought to obey God rather than man. Yeah. It's time to take a stand. Here's a question. What are you willing to stand for? Arguably, we live in a day and age which the laws that we have, the freedoms that we afford, and the society that we live in are due to someone taking a stand. So number one, for such a time as this is time, to take a stand. Number two, let me just say this, taking a stand is going to make waves. It doesn't come without consequences. Look at chapter 3 and verse number 5. The Bible says, And when Haman saw that Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence, he was okay with it because he had a position of power and everybody else bowed down. Did this affect his power? No, what it affected was his ego. What it affected was he looked out and said, there's one 
that's not, that's not fitting in with the rest of the crowd. And the Bible says in verse number 5 that he was full of wrath. Let me just say this, taking a stand is going to cause some people to get mad. You know, we live in a day and age where, you know, even if you don't necessarily speak your opinion about an issue, if you don't embrace and you don't agree with the rest of the crowd, then you're the problem. Then you're the one that's, that's uh, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the problem and everything that's going on because you don't agree and you don't embrace exactly what's happening. Some people say, well, I just want to go with the flow. There's a reason that only a few are willing to take a stand because it's going to cause waves. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.12, Yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. If you live godly, what's going to happen? You're going to suffer. And, and, and you say, hey, well, if you're telling me to, encouraging me to take a stand, and you're telling me that taking a stand is going to cause waves and cause people to be upset at me, then why am I going to take a stand? Well, let me just say this, because God is in control. For such a time as this, let's take a stand. But no, realize that taking a stand is going to make people upset. It's going to cause waves. But lastly, I'd just like to say that God is in control. The Bible says that one day every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It will be worth it all in the end if we take a stand today. Esther, in verse number 15, the Bible says that Esther bade them return to Mordecai. This answer, she's faced with the daunting task of going to try and influence the king for such a time as this. She had the position of queen and had the ability to influence. And here's what she responded. Go, gather together all the Jews, in verse 16, that are present in Shushan, and fast ye for me, and neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also, my maids, will fast likewise, and so will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. We need to not only take a stand, but realize, hey, you know what? Whatever happens as a result of it is not going to affect the stand that I take. Hey, and I don't think that the stand that we take today, in today's day and age, I don't think we're there just yet, but I don't think if anybody takes a stand for Christ today that you're suffering. That, that, that the uh, uh, consequence is going to be death. But that, that's what it was for her. That's what she was facing. Hey, but you know what? Are you willing to take a stand if it will cause somebody to get upset with you? Maybe it's a co-worker. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's somebody that's around you is going to say, well, who do you think that you are? I know, that you're, I know your past or whatever else has taken place there. Hey, you know what? Let me just say this is time to take a stand. In Matthew 6, 25, the Bible says, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body more than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much more better than they? Let me just say this, God will take care of you. There's a song that says, Be not dismayed, whatever betide. God will take care of you. Beneath his wings of love abide, God will take care of you through every day or all the way. He will take care of you. God will take care of you. We know that every higher power is ordained by God and it's in God's hand and it's in God's control. Nothing in this life comes as a shock to God. You say, well, why do bad things happen to good people? I'll just say one word, the word sin. I don't believe that it was God's perfect will that Cain kill Abel 
yet it happened. And there are some things that happen in this life as a direct result of sin, but we'll never understand why it took place. But let me just say this, God can turn any situation for His glory and for His honor. Let me encourage you to take a stand. Let me encourage you and just say, hey, you know what, taking a stand will cause waves, but God is in control. The Bible says that I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. The Bible says that my grace is sufficient for thee. You say, well, you're talking about taking a stand. You're talking about ethics or morals or having beliefs, but I'm not sure exactly what you're talking about because you don't even know today that you're on your way to heaven. You know, the Bible tells us that we can know 100% for sure that we're on our way to heaven. If you don't know that for sure, then you know what? The Bible says now is the appointed time. Now is the acceptable day for salvation. It's today. you got to get it settled today. 1 John 5.13 says, These things have I written unto you that ye may know that ye have eternal life. The Bible isn't written so that we can hope that one day we go to heaven or hope that one day there's a big scale and my good outweighs my bad and maybe I'm going to make it there. No, the Bible says there's none righteous. No, not one. There's none that doeth good. The Bible says that our righteousness is as filthy rags. But I'm so thankful that though I'm not good, God sent His Son, Jesus, to come to this earth to die on the cross to pay for my sins. And it's just placing our faith and trust in what he's already done is the only way that we can get to heaven. September 18th, 1992, I was 11 years old. And I could quote you many Bible verses, but I had never made it applicable in my life. And on that day, I prayed and I trusted Christ as my Savior. And I'm not going to say I've had doubts or I haven't had doubts along the way. But I know for sure on that day, I asked Christ to be my personal Savior. And let me encourage you that if you've not done that, that you get it settled today. God made a way for us to do that. Just an encouraging, just to challenge you. And uh, you know what? It, uh, it, it's, we're in difficult times. There's no doubt about that. We're not saying that it's going to be easy. But let me just implore you to take a stand. And know that taking a stand is going to cause waves. But somebody has promised to be with us wherever we go to give us mercy and to give us grace and to help us in the end. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.